Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to speak to you today from the subject, Wanderers Welcome. James chapter 5, verse 19. James has just gone through five chapters of wisdom, practical help, just a true pastor all the way through. And we read the final verses last week where he's speaking about the power of prayer, to pray for one another, to confess to each other, but to pray for one another, that that you'll find healing. And and he just gives this last exhortation to the church on on prayer. And it kind of wraps up the whole one through five. It kind of wraps it up. It's about the power of your words, the, the love for each other, the power of your words towards God, which is prayer. And it seems like it's a good ending for the book. But then... There's these two verses that pop out, and they almost seem like a P.S. It almost seems like James finished the letter, rolled it up, put it away, and then remembered he's got one last thing to say to the church. And some commentators say, no, no, this, 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 couldn't, even, this couldn't have even been James because it's so radically different than the rest of the book, but I believe it really was James. In fact, I believe it was James adding a PS for the times where we're not wise. He's the book of wisdom. This is when he says, you know what? This might happen, and let me give you some encouragement for when it does. So he finishes up these last two verses, and he says, my brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the family. He's talking to us. And he he says, if one of you should wander from the truth. If one of you should wander from the truth. If, such, such a great pastor, he leaves it wide open. I know you're solid. I know you never wander. I, I know you're never on one day off another day. I know you're rock solid in the faith, brother. But if, you know, if one of you should wander. I'm not saying you are wandering. I'm not saying you will. I'm just saying if it happens, he leaves it wide open. If, if you should wander from the truth, from the faith, from what you, what you know is true, if it, if it ends up happening, because the reality is it's probably going to end up happening in some way in your life where you don't mean to wander, but you find yourself distant from the God that you love. If one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, he says, remember this. If one of you should wander from the truth and if there's someone else that's there, go bring that person back is what he's saying. He's saying, look, there's going to be times where you're going to lose your way. And in those times, hopefully you go to a good church. Hopefully you've got a good crew. Hopefully you've got a good community. And now he's speaking to to them, to us, saying, and if that person wanders, someone, somebody, I I almost hear like anybody, someone should go after that person, should know that they're wandering, should sense it, should see it, should feel it, should hear from God. He's faithful to let you know when someone needs help. Someone should go after that person, should run after them should speak to them, should, should, should capture them, and should bring them back. And he says, and remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the errors of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 
You know what I love about the Bible is many times it's, it's saying one thing, but it's saying it to multiple people. And the more you look at Scripture, Spurgeon says, Scripture is like a prism that as light shines through it, you see brilliant colors, but as you turn the prism, you see more brilliance within the same light. Yeah, that, that's what the Word of God is. That's what one verse is. You can get a thousand revelations from one verse. And as I was reading this, I thought this was really all about us. And I do believe there's, there's a portion of, of this that really is towards us. And, and today I was going to talk to you all about what wandering is and how not to wander. And I am going to speak on those things. But the more I looked at it, the more I realized who the one is that comes after the wanderer. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. That someone has a name. It's Jesus. He came after us. He first loved us. And he's the whoever who has turned a sinner from the errors of our way, even when we didn't know our ways were in error. And he saved us from death. He saved us from corruption. He saved us from destruction, and he has covered a multitude of sins. Can we just thank Jesus for what he's done in our lives, that he's come after us when we were a long way off. And now after Jesus does this, he partners with us to continue to do this. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you've come after us. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And God, right now, I pray that you speak to us, and we're ready to hear from you. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. 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 Proverbs says this. It says, the fruit of the righteous person is a tree of life. That you should be fruitful. There should be health. There should be something growing in your life. The fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life, and whoever wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. There's a wisdom going after people. At the end of Jesus's ministry here on earth, he gives us what is called the Great Commission. And I, 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 I'm sure many of you know it. It's such a powerful statement. And it's really Jesus's challenge of action to his followers. And, and he says this at the end. He says, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach the gospel, and I want you to make disciples, and I want you to baptize people and teach them my ways. That's the great commission. It's at the end of Jesus's ministry. He says, go and make disciples. But here, I feel like this is James' commission to us. This is James' commission, and what James is saying is, I want you to go into the church. Go into all the church and find those that are wandering their way out. Go into the, all the lobbies. Go into all the crews. Go into all the areas where the people are supposed to know God but are drifting a long way off. Go into all the church and, and go after those that are wandering from the truth. The church, and, and I am speaking to the, the church today, you and me, the, the, the community of Jesus followers, the church exists to help wanderers find their way. To help wanderers find their way back to Jesus. That's what the church is all about. And you know, sometimes you know, people will ask me, why do you have church every single week? You know why? Because if you miss three weeks, it's amazing how quick you start to wander. You're raised in church. 
You went to children's church. You saw the flannel board. You can quote John 3.16. But you missed three weeks of church, and it begins to affect your heart and your mind and your reactions. Is it not true? I tell you, I, 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 I have felt it where I've gone on vacation. I missed two Sundays, and it's like I need to get back to church. I'm preaching, but I need to, I need to hear a sermon. I am preaching to myself. Because it's so quick where, where you can lose your way, and you, you think it happens happens. Um, over years and years, and it could, but many times it can happen with just little things so quickly. And, and this is why Jesus says, look, you're going to need each other. You're going to need some whoever's that will go after the wanderers, and, and the wanderers sometimes will be you. And so I, I think what I'm saying is we as a church, we are responsible for us. We are responsible for us. Tell your neighbor, you're my responsibility. Some people are like having a panic attack. I've got enough responsibility. I didn't come here for this. I came here to be fed, not challenged. You know what I think is funny? You know what I think is, maybe I don't think it's funny, but it's interesting is that's, that's really the opposite of what society says. It's really the opposite of how our culture reacts. It's like, hey, you do you, you live your life, I'll live mine. You know, who am I to say? Who am I to judge? Who am I to... And, and I, I think maybe sometimes there's a health in not being in everyone's business, but I think the reality is we take that to an extreme and we abdicate our responsibility to those that God has put around us for us to affect their lives. And, and, and I know maybe you can't be responsible for everyone, but you are responsible for someone. And, and, and I believe we as a church, we are responsible for our community. I, and I see James saying this. He's saying, look, there's going to come a time where people who, they were your leader, where they, 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 you looked up to them, where they had a strong faith and they led in prayer. They're going to lose their way and there better be somebody in their life that notices, that will go after them that will come alongside them and will begin to guide them back to the way that they once knew. Bring them back to the faith. Bring them back to the truth. So we're not a community that, that shows up one Sunday, doesn't talk to anybody, says, I am here, just me and God, and that's it, and then we're out. That's not us, and that's not church. Church is a group of people that are very flawed and are finding their way. God brings them together and he says, now help each other through your flaws, through your disagreements, through your frustrations with each other, help each other towards Jesus. And, 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 and sometimes people will say, well, well I, you know, I, I was hurt by the church. Look, everything hurts. Everything in the whole world hurts. You weren't hurt by the church. You were hurt by people. And if you're going to blame the church for being hurt by people, you better blame McDonald's for what it's doing to you. <laughs> I was hurt. I was hurt by that, that Big Mac. <laughs> No, no, it's people. There's got to be a lot of grace. We say, well, they're disorganized. So are you. Well, they're, they're, they're not perfect, you know. We know. <laughs> and we know how imperfect you are. The whole goal is it to be a family. It is for us to be in this thing together. It is for us to be moving forward together and, and being 
communing with each other and and may there be unity in our midst and that's what separates us from from the whole rest of the world which has no unity you look at me one weird way in the world and i am out but in the church jesus says turn the other cheek forgive come on go the extra mile and 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 it's it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's what we're called to do. And in the end, we are going to arrive in heaven. And I pray we will all hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. That's all we are. We're servants of the Most High King. And we are all in this thing together. And, and so, you know, I pray we have a church that has a missional culture. And what that really means is uh, missional is where we, we are, we're not just for ourselves. I, I pray every Sunday, it's, it, even our Sundays, they are designed for a new person that, that is far from God to be able to come in and have an experience and a connection with God. That, that is what the weekends are for. Now, you're going to have an experience as well, and, and, and God's going to speak to you. But first and foremost, I pray people can come in here with a negative view of God, meet Jesus, and leave with a positive view of God. Life change can happen on Sunday. Sunday, and we're on mission. That's why we're doing I Heart My City, because we're on mission. Some people will go to far-flung uh, continents, Africa and Australia, to go on a mission trip. I think that's good. It's so good, but you can also go on a mission trip right to Providence, right to the schools in Providence. We are going to be a missional church. We are looking to see who we can affect. But I love that James says, uh, that's so good, and, and I want you to do that, but don't forget that you also need to be on mission, I don't know any other way to say this, but internally as well. Where, yes, the mission field is out there, but also it's in here as well, because we're surrounded by each other, and, 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 and sometimes we lose our way in one way or another, and I hope there are some shepherds amongst the flock that can help spot when people are beginning to go off. So, so we're gonna help them and we're gonna be on mission for them, but I pray that some of you, the people that have a prayer anointing, the people that have a leading anointing, the A-team leaders, the crew leaders, are always watching, saying, where is that person? Where are they headed? What's going on? Because, because this is my mission field as well. Does that make sense? We, we're responsible for us. And the reality is many times, the sad reality is many times we do wander and we're, we're, we're prone to wandering. And, 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 and some, you might ask me, well, what does wandering look like? It's, it's, it's subtle. That's the problem with wandering. Many times it's not like a big giant blow up and you say, that's it, I am out. It's not really what it is. That's just a straight-up fight, you know, and immaturity. What James is saying is sometimes there's people that they just, I don't know, they just kind of lose their way. They just kind of veer off the road. You ever see someone that's texting and driving in front of you, and they're wandering? And you could tell it's starting to get dangerous right now. When you wander, you begin to lose focus on what matters. You know, when you wander, you begin to lose your sense of mission, your sense of purpose. And God made you with a purpose. And you've got to discover that purpose. And in order to know, discover that purpose, you've got to know God. 
He's the one that will reveal that purpose to you. But when you begin to wander, the things that used to matter begin to not matter as much. And, 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 and the God that you used to love so much, it begins to kind of begin to be distant. And you lose your vision. Without the vision, the Bible says, people, they cast off for straight. They, they begin to wander again. You begin to lose your, your mission, your, your, your purpose, your excitement. When you begin to wander, you begin to drift into to apathy. There's no urgency to what you're doing. There's no urgency to your life. When you begin to wander, you begin to isolate yourself from leaders because those are the ones that will call out the wandering. This is what wandering begins to look like. And the problem is it's very, it's very, very subtle. Wandering always begins, begins subtly. One of the words I was thinking of using is, is this concept of, of drifting. Really, you begin to drift. That's many times how people lose their faith and lose their trust is really what happens is slowly they begin to, to drift away. Have you ever been to the beach? You set up all your, your, your stuff, your gear. You know, you got your cooler. I don't know if you're one of those people that bring like an entire stove top to the beach. I'm not one of those people, but I know some of you are. And you got your umbrella. You got the tent. <laughs> you know, those 10 people are like, man, they're, they're here for a while, you know. <laughs> you go in the water and playing and hanging out. But a couple minutes, couple hours later, you look up and there is nothing that you brought and no one that you know to be seen on shore. What, what happened? In the midst of this, you, you began to drift along the shore. It's called a longshore drift. And the waves begin to push you down the beach. And when you look up, you didn't even recognize you moved. You're looking up and you're like, you make a joke, right? And then this guy's looking at you like, yeah, I don't know this person. It's not my dad. <laughs> You're trying to find your umbrella. You can't, you can't figure out where you are. And you, you realize you drifted hundreds of yards down the shore. You know, if you're not careful, the currents of life, the things that are happening under the surface can begin to shift your values and shift you through circumstance and, and, and shift what you know to be true where one day you look up and you don't even recognize yourself anymore. You don't even understand how you got here and, and who are these people even around me? You don't love me. I don't even know you. What happened? You drifted. Christians have a word for this. It's called backsliding. When we say backslider, it's like, whoa. That guy backslid, whoa. But really it's just he drifted began to wander, you know? There's one beach in particular, I won't name it, but it's here in Rhode Island, and, and at the far end of the beach, there's a, a waste treatment facility, wastewater treatment facility. Some of you that don't know what beach this is, now you're nervous. And there's some, some giant pipes that stick out and just dump, let's call it previously used human water, into the ocean. And if you're not careful at this beach, you will go from sunshine and friendship and you'll drift into the sludge, people. If you're not careful, you'll look up and there are the pipes of human-used water dousing you. The sermon's taking a turn. <laughs> but isn't that the way? It's like the prodigal son, he ends up in the pigsty. It's always that way. It took him a long time. 
and a lot of decisions, and he lost a lot of money, and he had to make some horrible friends. But in the end, it's true, drift will always lead you into the sludge, into the junk, into the pigsty. And you find yourself there and you say, how, how did I get here? It was subtle. It was a collection of small decisions and, and, and things that you allowed. Here's the reality. If you are not intentional about, uh, of your surroundings, the currents of life will carry you where you never intended to go. The currents of life, the current of culture, everyone's doing it. But if you're going to measure yourself by everyone else, you are going to end up where everyone else ended up. And can I tell you, that's in the sludge so you have to be careful by navigating by everyone else around you because you could be going 90, not even notice it because everyone's going 90. Well, it doesn't matter. You're, you're still in the wrong. You have to be careful about the currents of culture. Just because culture is into it and allows it doesn't mean it should be in you, on you, of you, or from you. You got to be aware of this current. You know, there's the current of your, of your family or your family tendencies. You know, some Christians want to call this generational curses. But, but can I tell you this? There's no such thing as generational curses, only generational consequences of poor decisions. And just so you know, Jesus' blood breaks every curse. You must know this. His blood breaks every curse. So there is no curse on you from your father and your mother because your foremost father, Jesus, God, has said you are free because of me. So, so let's, let's clear that up once and for all. But there are generational tendencies. There are things that you've seen growing up. There are things that just got on you because it was in your surroundings. There are things that your mother or your father never broke off their life that you're going to have to break off your life or else it's going to get on your children. There are some things that if you're not careful, the current of your family will take you to a place where you don't want to be. And if you're, and if you're, if you're not aware of this, you'll end up saying, well, that's how my father was. My father was angry, so I'm always going to be angry. Really? Or can Jesus begin to work that out of you? Do you just have no say in this? Well, my, my mother had issues, and, and now, you know, I'm just going to have issues. Really? Is that how it's going to be? Or does Jesus come in and say, I'm going to become your true father? And just whether you had a good mother or a bad mother, good father or, good or bad father, Jesus is a great father. And he can come in and begin to change you. But you got to recognize these tendencies and say, Lord, we're going we're gonna to fight through this thing together. We're not just going to let it happen. There, there are some currents of addiction that will begin, if you're not careful, cycles of addiction that will begin to bring you to places you do not want to be. You don't want to get caught in again and and. And it happens to so many of us that we get caught by something that's under the surface, that's not brought up above the surface, something that's under the surface that begins to move us, and we don't even know why it's happening. I'm, I'm telling you, there are things under the surface that are happening that you need to identify and you need to swim against. You need to fight against. Let me tell you, you need a North Star. You know, when David says, restore to me the joy of my first salvation, what's he saying? He's saying, I need to get back to where I started because I've drifted a long way off. One of the main currents of life is the current of unconfessed sin. Sin under the surface. And, and if it's not confessed, 
and addressed, it will begin to move you underneath the sludge. It'll begin to take over your whole life. And let me tell you, this is a very strong current. Everyone wants to joke around like the devil's no big deal. The Bible says he's, he's, he's roaming around like a roaring, prowling lion. No, no, he, he's out for blood. You better be prepared for a fight. You've got to understand, it might be under the surface, but these currents, they are strong currents, and they will rip you out to sea. You need to have some people around you that can grab onto you, can help you bring, in, bring into shore. James, he, he gives us the model, just so we're not unaware. You know, I, I had to skip this part in James 1, but I'm glad that before the series ends, we get to go to this incredible verse in James. He, he, he gives us the model of how sin works. He says, but each person, this is how it begins, first they're tempted, not by God, but by our own desires. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. That's where temptation begins. Then desire, when it has conceived. So this is, this is the model. Temptation mixes with, with, with what you're lured towards and you're enticed by because of your own desires. But then when you add action to your desire, there's conception. When desire conceives, eventually it gives birth. And it gives birth to sin. And when sin goes unabated, unconfessed, and unconfronted, eventually it grows up. And when it's fully grown, it brings death. Sin always leads to death. It always leads to separation from God. And, and what James is saying is you need to cut this thing early on in the process. You need to recognize what is luring you. You need to look at what entices you. You need to look at your desires. You need to confess your temptation. In other words, you need some people around you that you can go to early on in the process and say, this is what's happening. This is what I'm dealing with. Hey, will you catch on to me? Because I don't want to drift towards the sludge again. I need some help. Because the reality is we're all going to find ourselves in a time where we get caught in a current or we begin to wander. I'm, I'm reminded of that old hymn. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to it. We're given to it. It just many times begins to happen. But, but here's the good news. Even in our wanderings, Jesus comes for us. Pharisees were frustrated with Jesus saying, you welcome sinners. You eat with them. And Jesus tells them three stories, one about a lost son, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost sheep. And he says that a, a certain shepherd lost a sheep, and, and he, he left the 99 out in the open country, and he went and he searched out that one. You know, I never saw it from this perspective. I thought that lost sheep was just like a straight-up sinner who never met Jesus. But you know what's interesting? That sheep used to be a part of the flock. Have you ever seen that? That sheep used to be a part of the flock. Jesus, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and I call them by name. This person knew the shepherd, and the shepherd knew them. But here's the good news. Jesus said, of the flock that you have given me, God, I have not lost one of them. That even when they wander, I will go after them, I will pick them up, and I will carry them back. And so here's the good news. The good news is that the good shepherd is always searching for the wandering. We might be prone to wandering. We might get caught in drifts, but Jesus is always coming for us. Jesus is always providing a way back from your wandering. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way. 
I've lost my way, but Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And here's the beauty of what Jesus does. The way comes to you. See, you think if I lose my way, how can I ever find my way back? You are the found, not the finder. He's the finder, and he brings the way to you. Thank you, Jesus, for what he's done. For what he's done, Proverbs says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. If you've gotten off the path, if you've lost your way, don't try and find it of yourself. Begin to look to Jesus because he's gonna begin to bring you back to who you were. Here's the reality. His word shows the way that you need to go. His word shows the way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. His word shows the way. So Jesus, he's the one that goes after the wanderer. The word begins to bring us close to Jesus again. I think the problem, and I'm going to close in a few moments here, but I think the problem is many times we try and find our way back to God through our feelings. Or we try and find our way forward through our feelings. And it's tough because we can really even make our, our feelings sound spiritual. You know? You say, well, I think I'm going to go this way. I'm just feeling it. Are you sure that's not a, a bad burrito? Didn't you go to Chipotle this afternoon? You got to be careful about your feelings. Your feelings are fickle. Your feelings change real quick. The Bible says God never changes. He never changes. He's the total opposite of your feelings. I think sometimes our feelings are the very things that be, lead us astray, that get, off, get us off the path. What finds us? Jesus and his word. They become guardrails in our lives. But sometimes, if we're not careful, and particularly in our type of Christianity, because let me tell you, I love the Holy Spirit. I love the flow of the Holy Spirit. And you know the Holy Spirit showed up in this room before the sermon even started. And we're going to make room for the Holy Spirit always. But your feelings are not necessarily the Holy Spirit. This is going to help you now. It's going to help you if you allow it. Because sometimes we'll say, well, I'm just feeling that. And then I saw a commercial on TV, and they mentioned it in a sort of roundabout way. And then, and then uh, I, was, I, was, I was texting someone, and they texted me the autocorrect was the wrong word. And I just knew that's confirmation. No, no, that's the FBI. You, know? <laughs> you, you got to be careful about your feelings. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times people will start a conversation with me saying, God said. And they say, we want your blessing. You want my blessing. God's already said. What, am I going to argue with God? No, no, no. Am I going to stand between the almighty God and your dreams? No, no, never. I bless thee. <laughs> my son, take thine blessing and walketh. You got to be careful when you say God said. Because it's easy to wander. Come on, it's easy to wander. It doesn't take you three years. It takes you three weeks. It's easy to wander. You got to be careful if you're trying to find your way forward from your feelings because the Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things. It might lead you the wrong way really, really quickly. So what do you need? I think you need the Word of God. I think you need a very 
real relationship with Jesus. He never said to follow your feelings. He said to follow me. Jesus said, follow me. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. And you know what I think you need? I think you need some wise counsel around your life. Because here's the problem with wandering. You never know you're doing it when you're doing it. That's the problem. You need someone else to point it out and say, hey, man, you seem off. You say, what? What is it? I don't know. But I know your normal path, it seems to be off from that normal path. Is everything okay? How do you guard against wandering? You need the Word of God. You need to have real relationship with Jesus, a real friendship, real communication. And you need at least one or two godly counselors in your life that can help you. And don't go to them saying, well, God said, don't do that. Because who are they to be above God? Don't do that. Tell them what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and see if they'll confirm it. Because there's safety in the confirmation of a multitude of counselors. See if they'll confirm it. And let me tell you, if it is God, he'll confirm it. Every single time, he'll confirm it. And by the way, he'll always confirm his feelings to you by his word. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something or go somewhere that isn't found in the word of God, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's some other feeling or voice. The Holy Spirit always speaks in accordance with his word. Is this helping you? I'm telling you, church, we're going to move together in a certain direction. The Bible says to test everything. Test everything. And test it by the word, by prayer, and by godly counsel. So, so how does God go after the wanderers? He, God's not like you and me. Sometimes when someone drifts from us, says some mean thing as they're walking away, we're like, that's it. You're out. You know, they're already walking away. And like, no, I release you. And they're like, well, I'm leaving anyways. That's not God. The beauty of God is even when we do walk away, he, he runs after us. I think one of the most beautiful pictures in all of the New Testament was when the father runs to the son that's still covered in pig mud. It's just what God does. But, but how does God go after the wanderers? He always will, but how does he do it? Can I tell you, this is where you come in. He wants to use you. God wants to use you. Can you put my verse back up, James chapter 5? My brothers and sisters, if anyone should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. This is how God works. He doesn't just go, come back to church. <laughs> you know what God does do, though? He puts you on someone's heart and they text you, how are you doing? That's God. He'll begin to bring people into your path. That's God. And more than that, he wants to use you for that, for others. God will always partner with his people to do his work. And, 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 and so how does God bring back the wanderers? He uses you. He uses you to bring back the wanderers to himself. He who insults is wise. Why? Because whenever you do something that God wants you to do, that's wise. He wants to use you to bring people back to him. Now, you might be thinking, no, that's the pastor's job. Uh-uh. I'm reading this verse. All right, it's my job personally, but it's not my job for everybody. James doesn't say, if anyone should wander from the truth, that's my bad. That's on me, guys. If anyone should wander, that was me. I was a poor pastor. I'm really sorry. No, James says, no, someone, I'll do it, but I need some help. Who knows that guy? Who brought him into church? Whose crew is that guy in? You need to go after that guy. 
Someone needs to go after them. And they got to bring them back because if not, they're headed towards death. And when you do bring them back, don't hold their sins against them. Cover them. Cover them. Hey, it's all right. You're back. You're back in the family. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. We love you. We're for you. I'm not going to hold something against you that God has chosen to forget. I'm glad you're here. We're with you. So what's our work? Our work is pursuing the wanderers. That's our work. The pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's our work? Our work is to go after the wanderers. I can tell you're still not convinced. Hear me. God's anointed you for it. He's anointed you for it. You're going to need to bring back a wanderer because one day you're going to find yourself wandering and that person needs to be in church because they're going to come after you. The church is a living, vibrant organism. It's, it's, a, it's a family. We're in this thing together. It was never, ever supposed to be one guy shows up at every hospital, shows up at every funeral, shows up. I'll do my very, very best, but that's not how God designed it. God says, you're all the saints. You're all anointed. You all know how to pray, and you all know how to love, and love will always lead to action. Always. So you might be asking me, all right, Jordan, well, how should I do this? What should I do? Let me give you three, three simple ways to go after a wanderer. Number one, have a conversation. It's as simple as that. Have a conversation. A real human live conversation, not a text. Just so you know, this is going to help you in life. A text is not a conversation, right? I know you think it's easier. It ain't. Have a real conversation. Let me just put it this way. Go chase that person down. How do I find, go for, uh, how do I go after a wanderer? You need to chase that person down and you need to open up the dialogue again. Some, sometimes say, well, I, I don't, I don't want to do that because it will be awkward. It might be awkward. You, I don't want to do that because they might disagree with me. But you know what? The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful, where you come in and, and you be say, look, I'm going to need to cut you here because there's something wrong going on. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to have a conversation. Sometimes I don't know what to say, so let me just give you a tip. Sometimes when I don't know what to do but God lays someone on my heart, I'll just say, hey, God put you on my heart. And then I'll let them tell me why. Got any thoughts why? <laughs> and then the person will be like, oh, he did, huh? Oh, wow, that's crazy. <gasps> because things are going wrong, man. <laughs> Have a conversation. How are you doing? What's going on? What's really going on? I noticed you've been missing a couple weeks. Ah, oh, man, that's my job, stuff going on. I noticed you got a new job. You got to be careful. In transition, many times, that's where we lose sight of what matters. What's going on? have a conversation. Don't wait for someone else to have it. You're equipped. Number two, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Don't go after him and say, let me tell you something. I'm a prophet and I was sent. <laughs> Listen to me, Ahab. <laughs> speak the truth. Can I say this? You might be the only person that speaks the truth lovingly that this person has in their entire life. A lot of people don't have a lot of friends. They have a lot of acquaintances. And an acquaintance will never, ever tell them the truth because it's too much responsibility. It's too much work. Jesus says, follow me, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Do you know after you catch a fish how much work it takes to prepare that fish? It's a lot of process. 
And that's what God wants us to do for each other. You need to be able to go to someone, have a conversation, speak the truth. And this is where you lovingly, you pray about it. Say, God, prepare their heart because I'm going to tell them something right now. And you go to them and you say, hey, I think you're drifting. Hey, I think that relationship is beginning to move you far from God. Hey, hey, something's off in your attitude. I don't know what's going on but something's off. And whether they respond well or not, that's not up to you. What is up to you, though, is to at least go after the wanderer. I can't control you. I can't force you, but I can come to you. And I can speak the truth and say, hey, I know something's wrong, or hey, I see a red alert, or, and yet you speak the truth in love. And I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> end right here. But no matter how it ends, if they come back, we rejoice. But if they continue to walk away, then you just do this. You pray, and you keep the door open. You, you pray, and you keep the door open. Hey, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened, but hey, anytime you know my phone number. I'll be at church every week. I always tell people that. Just come to church. I guarantee you will see me at church. I'll be there every week. The door is wide open. And there are some people that, that they've walked away from the church, and I'll see them and stop and shop. I'll be like, hey, like God put me there. I'm here. You can't run away. I was just thinking about you. God put you on my heart. And you know what I always say? I'm praying for you, and I always am. When I see that person, I start praying. And I always say, hey, make sure you got a good church. Whether it's my church or someone else, make sure you got a good church. And just so you know, the door is always wide, stinking open. We love you. Amen? Let me say this. Pray for someone. You have your, a child that's far from God, pray for them. You have a spouse that's far from God, pray for them. Have the conversations, tell the truth, but engage the power of prayer. Because let me tell you, even if they won't talk to you anymore, you can't ghost the Holy Ghost. Pray for them. Pray for them. You won't talk to me? Get them, God. I just pray we're a church that watches out for each other. Sometimes there's a lot of wolves that come in amongst the sheep. Sometimes people begin to just wander and go off on their own thing. And can I tell you, I pray that we're a church that doesn't allow that to happen easily. Sometimes church is like a series of asking, hey, whatever happened to that guy? That's a lot of what church is. I pray there's only a little bit of that in our church. Whatever happened to that guy? Ah, he made a dumb mistake. But he's back. He's serving. You'll see him at the 915. Amen. 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 Jesus is faithful to us. And I pray that we'll remain faithful to each other. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.